Greetings, friends and brethren in the Lord. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you today with exceedingly, exceedingly great joy. Well, we have entered the new year, 2018, and I feel impressed to share something from my heart that I believe the Lord uh, spoke through me, or excuse me, spoke to me about 2018. The title of this message is Weep for America. So, Father, I just thank you. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for moving on the hearts of those listening today. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for stirring their hearts and um, just bringing the fire of the Holy Spirit upon them, that, Lord, you would cause them to weep for our nation, that you would put such a burden on them, such a deep burden for them to weep for America so that we might see revival. Father, I thank you for doing a mighty work in people's hearts as they listen to this message today. In Jesus' name, amen. So the title of this message, Weep for America. Now, unless you live in a cave, you certainly are aware of the dramatic and I do highlight the word dramatic, moral decline of our nation. I don't believe we can call America a Christian nation anymore. Those who believe in Christ and are committed to sharing the gospel, well, we are the minority. Even though there are plenty of churches in America, that doesn't equal the definition of Bible-believing, Bible-teaching fellowships. Some churches are more like country club get-togethers. But here's the state we are in. Honestly, I didn't think it could get any worse. But the article I'm about to share was recently published in our Saturday Faith section, January 6, 2018. The title of this article is Pot Churches proliferate as states ease access to marijuana. And it begins, services at the Coachella Valley Church begin and end with the Lord's Prayer. In between, there is the sacrament. Breathe deep and blow harder, intoned Pastor Grant Atwell, after distributing small marijuana joints to 20 worshipers on a recent Sunday afternoon. Nail the insight down, whether you get it from marijuana or prayer. Consider what in your own life you are thankful for. A middle-aged man wearing a Jesus Loves You baseball cap piped up. Thank you, God, for the weed, he called out. I'm thankful for the spirit of cannabis, a woman echoed from the back. I'm grateful to be alive said another young woman, adding that she had recently overdosed on what she did not say for the third time. The small room, painted black and gold and decorated with crosses and Rastafarian symbols, filled with pungent smoke after an hour-long service of Christian prayers, self-help slogans, and inspirational quotes led by Atwell, a Campbell, California massage therapist, and photographer. Despite its mainstream Christian trappings, the Coachella Valley Church describes itself as a Rastafarian church. 
something that's, well, it's tough to define. Rastafari is a political and religious movement that originated in Jamaica. Combining elements of Christianity, Pan-Africanism, and mysticism, the movement has no central authority. Adherents use marijuana in their rituals. The church's leaders say they believe that religious freedom laws give them the right to offer marijuana to visitors without a doctor's recommendation and without having to abide by any other regulations. Some courts and local authorities beg to differ. As more states ease access to marijuana, churches that offer pot as a sacrament are proliferating, competing with medical marijuana dispensaries and even pot shops in a few states that have legalized recreational weed. While some of them claim Rastafari affiliation, others link themselves to Native American religious traditions. The churches are vexing local officials who say that they're simply dispensaries in in disguise, simply skirting the rules that govern other marijuana providers, such as requirements to pay taxes. I'm not going to say they're not churches, but to the extent that they're distributing marijuana, they're an illegal dispensary, in my view, said San Jose City Attorney Rick Doyle. Doyle has requested a permanent legal injunction to stop the Coachella Valley Church from providing marijuana, and a court hearing is scheduled for January 22nd. He recently got a court order to shut down the operations of a similar church, the Oak Lavuha Native American Church of South Bay, he said. Nationally, such churches have opened in Indiana, where marijuana remains illegal, and Michigan, where medical marijuana is allowed. Even in Colorado, which legalized pot in 2012, the International Church of Cannabis is testing the limits of state and city rules on consuming marijuana in public. Marijuana churches typically require people to purchase a membership, then give or sell them marijuana and related products. They may ask for ID, such as a driver's license, but don't require a doctor's recommendation or medical marijuana ID card. They're relying on court rulings that made it possible for some groups, including the Native Americans, to federally to use federally banned drugs like peyote in their religious ceremonies. Despite these rulings, Courts have thus far rejected religious groups' rights to use marijuana, which is still illegal at the federal level, according to Douglas Laycock, a University of Virginia law school professor specializing in religious liberty issues. Marijuana churches have brought religious liberty claims for years, and they have always lost, Laycock said. Marijuana is a huge recreational drug any religious exception, would make enforcement nearly impossible. So the courts have always found a compelling government interest in marijuana enforcement. Yet, Lakoff, Laycock said, as more states legalize marijuana, courts may regard marijuana churches' rights more favorably. I need to take a deep breath. And I'm sure you do as well. That is almost, I don't know, it just, it just makes me speechless and breathless at the same time. It's 
hard. I have, n- I mean, how far have we gone? I mean, I can't wrap my brain around this whole idea. Seriously, I can't. But these are the times that we live in. Now, we have a generation of young people who do not know anything about Jesus and nothing about the Bible. Last spring, my pastor sent me a text and asked me to visit a young high school girl in the intensive care unit here locally. She had overdosed and was on the ventilator. Her aunt, who now lives in Arizona, made the request because she was pretty sure this young girl nor her mother knew the Lord. Well, when I got there the next day, she was sitting up in bed. Obviously, she had improved significantly. Anyway, I introduced myself and said I was there at the request of her aunt, and um, would she mind if I prayed with her? Her mother was there, and she seemed happy for me to be there. So I asked the young girl if she was familiar with the Bible or anything familiar with the Lord, and she said no to both. I asked her if she had if she had died from the overdose, did she know what would happen to her? She shrugged her shoulders and said she had no idea. I asked her what plans she had after high school, considering the fact that she was a senior and pretty soon to graduate. She said she wanted to go to medical school. She was a straight-A student. As I talked and ministered God's word to her from Jeremiah 29:11 and Psalm 139, it was if, as if I were speaking a foreign language. She had absolutely no grid for what I was talking about. Old Testament, New Testament, She had no grid, no clue, absolutely foreign. This is the generation of America today with no spiritual or moral compass, no spiritual foundation, no grid for anything spiritual. I hope you're understanding, certainly after the article I just shared and the situation I just mentioned about the young girl. I hope you understand the seriousness of our problem as a nation. You see, if there aren't any standards of truth or morality in the church, how can we expect truth or morality in our government, in our laws? Well, we see that we have very few, if any, Gay marriage is the law of the land. So you might ask this question. Have we gone too far? Can we turn back? I believe we can. I do have hope for America. But how do we turn around a nation headed in the wrong direction? We can't, but God can. What must we do? Well, the obvious answer is pray. Now, I've recently been appointed the coordinator 
of National Day of Prayer for the whole state of West Virginia. So I certainly believe in and I advocate prayer. But as I was before the Lord asking the Holy Spirit, what was on his heart and what did he want to say? What what was what was foremost on his heart for America and for twenty eighteen? I felt he I felt impressed that he was saying it's more than just praying. It's weeping. It's more than just interceding for our nation. It's weeping. You see, there was no better example in the Bible than the prophet Jeremiah. He's actually called the weeping prophet. Jeremiah could not bear to watch God's people continue to worship false idols. It struck him so deep in his soul that Israel had turned so far from the God that they once loved and obeyed. And all he could do was weep for his nation. So you might ask, do you think his tears were wasted? Well, Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6 say this, and I'm reading out of the New King James Version. It says, Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. So here's my prophetic word for 2018. It's time to weep for America. Jeremiah mourned for sin. He cried, Oh, that my head were waters. While the psalmist said, Rivers run down my eyes continually. Leonard Ravenhill, the great revivalist, wrote this. He said, Our eyes are dry because our hearts are dry. He wrote in his book, Why Revival Tarries. He said, When a couple of struggling Salvation Army officers wrote to General William Booth, telling him they had tried every way to get a move of God and failed, William Booth sent this terse reply, quote, try tears, end quote. They did, and they had revival. He goes on to say, Leonard Ravenhill, he says, Bible schools, don't teach tears. They really cannot, of course. This is spirit taught. And a preacher, however weighed down with degrees and doctorates, has not gotten far unless he knows soul bitterness over the sin of this day. A repeated cry of David Livingston was, Lord, when will the wounds of this world's sin be healed? But are we grief-stricken in prayer? Do we soak our pillows as John Welch did in our soul travail? The scholarly Andrew Bonar lay his head on a Saturday night in Scotland. And as people below tramped the streets from the taverns and shows, he used to call from his tortured heart, Oh, they perish, they perish. Alas, brethren, we have not 
so learned Christ. Many of us know only a slick, tearless, passionless, soulless round of preaching which passes for the minister's office these days. Wow. That's pretty powerful. This past summer, I had the pleasure of hearing Brother David Hogan preach at a Dallas Pike church here locally. And those of you who are not familiar with David, uh, David is a missionary in Mexico. And David has raised hundreds and hundreds of people from the dead. He's very serious about the gospel, and I would encourage you, if you want to listen to David, you can go on YouTube and just type in David Hogan. Now, David tells the story that last spring he received a call from the Pentagon. And a woman of very, very high rank called to ask him, Brother David, can America be saved? His reply was, yes. She then asked, Brother David, what can we do to make that happen? Without hesitation, Brother David Hogan said, gather the generals and tell them to lay prostrate on the floor of the Pentagon and weep for America. You see, my friends, we have got to get prostrate on the floor and weep for our country. Because of the things that the Lord showed me for 2018, I know beyond a shadow of doubt that we as the church, and in particular the prayer warriors, intercessors, and prophets, need and must weep for this nation. It is not good enough to just pray. We must weep. This is the last call, and I'm calling you, people of the Church of Jesus Christ, not just intercessors, not just prayer warriors or prophets. I'm calling the Church. Anyone, just begin to weep. For America. You see, I'm confident. I'm confident we will see no great revival until we repent and weep. And let me just make this clear. You can't you can't work this up. It is a work of the Holy Spirit. Our cry should be from Joel 2, 15 through 17, where the prophet Joel writes, Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar. Now, we are the priests of the Lord now. The Bible calls us priests and kings. And our priestly office as believers is prayer, intercession, 
going before the Lord, bringing things before the Lord that that need prayer and need changed. So let's weep. Let's let there be a trail of tears. Let's take up the cause. You see, when the government of America caused the Cherokee Nation of Native Americans to move from their home in the eastern part of our country to move west, they walked a long trail. It's called the Trail of Tears because it was a sad moment. Not just was it a sad moment in the history of America, but it was a sad moment for these people. These people moved off of a rich land, and the government moved them to a territory in the middle of the country where there was not a lot of place to graze cattle, not a lot of easy ground to work and to to grow crops. Many lost their lives walking this trail of tears. I believe that we now, as the church, need to cause a trail of tears. We have a different cause. Our cause is to see revival in America. This is a great cause. You see, if we don't take up the cause, if we, the church, don't take up the cause, who will? No one else will. People are happy, seem to be happy with the way their lives are, even though there is this great moral decay. I mean, all around, you see hopelessness. And certainly in the area where I live, drug addiction, heroin addiction, and not just addiction, people actually taking their lives. Well, it's not new to just where we live, but there are many cities and places across our country where heroin and opiate addiction have taken, have become a great stronghold. And what's happening? The young. The youth of America is dying right before our very eyes. And so there are all kinds of, you know, um, meetings of of different leaders, government leaders, city leaders, um, and rehabs, um, who are trying to come together to come up with a solution. My friend, there is no solution. There is no solution to heroin addiction and heroin overdoses and opiate addiction and opiate overdoses. There is one solution, and his name is Jesus. You can come up with, you can spend all of the government's money on the greatest programs. It's not going to change anything. It's not going to change the hearts of people. Revival, an awakening, coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, repenting of sin is what will change the hearts of Americans. There is no other way, my friend. There's no short and easy answer except Jesus. 
And we must face that reality that our nation is dying. We are losing the generation that will take our place. So we must, we must weep for America. This is a cause we must take up. This message, reading from Why Revival Tarries by Leonard Ravenhill. He writes, some declare that in America, Patrick Henry did more to pave the way for freedom and liberty than any other man in its history. Hear him, fired with passionate devotion for his people, as he speaks at the Virginia Convention, March 23, 1775. And he says, Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Could Cato or Demosthenes surpass that oratorical gem? Can we translate it? The fearful bondage and slavery that exists in the world today and threatens the rest of mankind is no fairy story. Though communism may conquer the world, terrible and unimaginable as that might be, to the true child of God, there is a greater horror, eternity, for the unrepentant in an endless hell. Perhaps we should get near Patrick Henry's language this way. Is life's span so dear and our home comforts so engrossing as to be purchased with my unfaithfulness and my dry-eyed prayerlessness? At the final bar of God, shall the perishing millions Accuse me of materialism coded with a few scripture verses. Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take. But as for me, give me revival in my soul and in my church and in my nation. Or give me death. My friend, those are strong words. But they're real. And it's a reality that without weeping for America, millions will spend an eternity without Christ. Millions will live out their life hopeless, clawing to the end of life without Christ. So I urge you today, stand up for the cause. No matter who you are, no matter if you don't have a position in a church, would you please take up this cause with me and weep for America? This is Dawn Noble. You can go to my website, www.pureheart.today, and listen to this podcast again. I bless you. And I trust that deep in your heart, you will burn with prayer and weeping for America.
show I end today. And I look forward to talking with you again. Shalom, shalom. Peace be unto you.